Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Osher Ginsberg podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Welcome to episode 137 of the show with my very special guest, Justin Hamilton. You can follow Justin on Twitter. He's at Justin Hamilton underscore. Justin Hamilton underscore. It's where you can find him. This show is being brought to you today by all the very wonderful people who have supported the show at patreon.com slash Osher, O-S-H-E-R. Thank you very, very, very much. Without you, I couldn't make the show uh for as little as five bucks a month uh, you can pledge at patreon.com slash osher and you can get access to exclusive episodes one of which i recorded today at the mumbrella 360 conference it was uh as is in line with my pledge for uh the exclusive episodes follow-up podcasts return uh, visitations from some of my most popular guests and today was an opportunity to get my uh very very gracious time with one of the most sought-after people uh, in the country at the moment, the extraordinary Cindy Gallup and I had an hour together. And uh, the conversation is great. That'll be coming your way on Tuesday. So if this show, uh, you're listening to this on a Monday, there's time to get on board, to pledge, and um, hopefully you'll be able to get that, uh, that podcast to you, uh, patreon.com slash osher. And that exclusive episode with Cindy Gallup I'll put up on Tuesday. So thank you so, 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 so much. You can always send me an email, send osher email at gmail.com. I read them all. I try to write back to as many as I possibly can. I hope you're okay this week. As you know, I'm uh, transitioning meds this week. I'm uh, slowly coming off what I've been on for about the last year and a half or so. Uh, and I'm going to go fallow for a couple of days. I'm going to have nothing for a few days and then come back up onto uh, a new regime. And uh, so that's basically what that means is at the moment I'm dealing with... Um, 
if, if you were in audio, I would say the gain is turned right up on my microphone. If you were in, uh, you know, I'm just saying the, the light is being turned up very, very brightly um, uh, on my eyeballs. Uh, basically, the way that I react to things, the sensitivity of which I react to the world around me is, is increasing enormously. And uh, I'm just kind of dealing with that at the moment. And um, unfortunately, what happens is, as you know, when you get, uh, you know, frightened or angry or whatever, your body fills with chemicals and you get a rush. And even though the initial threat or thing that made you angry has gone away, you still takes you time to calm down. And uh, so I'm, I'm trying to deal with that at the moment. And I'm very grateful that I have uh, my beautiful, beautiful, beautiful fiance, Audrey, who's being very kind and very understanding at the moment. Um, the other night uh, I was in bed, I was lying in bed and the dog was just, you know, being a dog. And the dog just kind of jumped on bed and was jumping around on bed and, and sniffing my neck and all kinds of stuff. And I don't know, something inside me kind of clicked over and all of a sudden, my heart was beating very, very fast, and I was like super agitated. And all of a sudden, I was kind of squirming around, and it was very difficult to be in my own skin for a second. And I, I just, I could, then I couldn't, I just couldn't fall asleep. And I was just, you know, grinding my teeth with the agitation. And um, just a puppy being a puppy, it's got nothing to do with anything. But my body is at this super sensitive level right now. And so, um, Audrey, bless her heart, I'm very easily startled at the moment. She just reached over, and she just stroked my chin, stroked my cheek. And I concentrated as hard as I could on her hand touching my face and just tried as hard as I could to concentrate on that sensation. And I swear, guys, she's got the she's got the magic touch. My heart was like going through the roof, 120 beats a minute. I was just full of tension. I was snoring within three minutes. <laughs> had I not had Audrey around, I would have been up till four in the morning ruminating on whatever the hell was going on in my head. But thankfully... I was able to really concentrate very, very hard on the sensation and try and block everything else out and just concentrate on that physical sensation. And, you know, thankfully, uh, she had me out like a light um, and I was asleep very quickly. So all I can say is that I'm the luckiest man around because I've got someone that loves me even when I'm crazy. I certainly hope that you can find someone who will do the same for you. Importantly, she knows that I'm not the crazy. That's the wonderful thing. She knows that I'm me, it's it. Like, I'm not the eczema that I get. I'm not the cold sores that I get. It's exciting if you're listening while you're eating, I'm sorry. But she also knows that I'm not the crazy. The crazy is just a thing that happens to me. And that's a really wonderful thing that I'm very, very grateful for. And I wish that you can have it too. Uh, not her, particularly, because she and I are getting married and that would be weird. But, you know, find someone. You know what I mean. Anyway. Let me tell you about my guest this week. Justin Hamilton is a stand-up comedian. He's a writer, producer, and generally wonderfully creative person uh, from Australia. He and I first met on a news panel show called Good News Week in 2009. You can listen to his exceptional podcast. It's called Can You Take This Photo, Please? And uh, you can also hear him occasionally pop up on Tofop. And uh, that's a show with Will and Charlie. And uh, he's also often the guest Charlie, so he does a lot of shows with Will, and he tours a lot with Will. And uh, he and I talk about TOFOP on this show, particularly the Quantum Cop episode of TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P. You can find that in the uh, in the app, podcast app of your choice. Uh, this is a great chat. I really love this conversation that Justin was kind enough to have with me. Uh, in fact, it's part two of a conversation, much like I did with Alice Fraser last week when I was on her show. I was on Justin's podcast first, and then we basically turned the mics around and and recorded on mine, um, my gear with my uh, memory card. 
we talk a lot about the value of mentorship in this show, which is super, super important. Not only do we talk about identifying a mentor, the value of identifying a mentor and keeping that relationship with the mentor going through, going on and keeping that relationship going through life, but also how it works in the other direction, what it is to find someone to mentor and realizing that value that relationship can bring to you. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you do like Justin, tell him that you like the show on Twitter. If you really like the show, you can tell a friend. You can find Justin on Twitter at JustinHamilton underscore. Uh, drop him a note. Tell him hi. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hi, Justin. Hello. This is part two of the, the crossover podcast. Well, it depends. People might listen to this one first. Right. It's also one of those podcasts that you can listen to one or the other in any order that you want. Yeah. Right. It's good. Welcome to my house. Thank you. So, I've, it's, it's amazing, by the way, and uh, I'm in love with your, your puppy. Like, yeah, Frank. Too much. Good. It's too much. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's, he's, he's a teddy bear that someone has brought to life and yeah. you have said, well, you may as well just come and live with us and yeah. it's perfect. Yeah, but the teddy bear that you had as a kid um, doesn't poo and have the poo stick in its fur. Right. And then run in here. Charlie Clawson came in here uh, <laughs> to do a podcast. Yep. And I didn't, because there's so much fur on Frank, I didn't realise it. Uh, Frank had a dag. Right. A, and a fresh one. Yep. Um, and Charlie's <laughs> like, oh, my God. He pulled Frankie up on his trousers. Yeah. And he put Frank down and it's just shit on his right. leg. Oh, I, was, oh, I nearly died. Look, I've been to parties with Clawson before. That's not the first time that would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> we first met at the ABC and Ultimo, did we not? Uh yeah, I reckon that might be right. 2009, uh, it was on the set of Good News Week, which yeah. was a panel show, which yeah. is the Australian version of How's Your News. Yes. And I was at the time, I had just decided in my brain and to my ex to call myself Osha right. about two weeks beforehand. Yeah. And I was filling in for Kyle Sandlands on the very radio show that you now work on. Yes. Yeah, Far that's where out. I, that's when I met you. That's crazy. Two thousand nine, it? it was. What was the uh, what was the process like for deciding you were going to be? Because because did the nickname come from? Is that true that it came from uh, radio yeah. in Adelaide? Craig Bruce. Craig Craig Bruce. Yeah, yeah. He's also been on the show. Two first names. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always sus on someone with two the first king, names. Yeah, Make a decision. Maker. Craig Craig's the one that you yeah. know. He he anointed Kyle and Jack. Yeah. You know? I'll probably tell you something different, but yeah, he's the one that developed those guys up, and yeah, yeah, he made he brought a lot of talent to the top. He once told a friend of mine uh, that uh, I didn't have any talent. So how are you, Craig? Well, he might have been right at the time. Maybe I didn't. I'm no, not saying think, he's wrong, but I think about you know all the gigs that I missed out on that old drinking me. Yeah, used to gnash his teeth, and you know. His ego would be like, fuck, why the fuck aren't I hosting that fuck? Who the yeah. fuck is that guy? And like, of course I didn't host it. Yeah. I was fucking stupid and blonde and no one could take me seriously at the time. Of course. Yeah. At, it's funny. At the time you do take offence to these things and then as you get older you go, oh, no, there's probably some truth to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. There's no way I could have legitimately hosted that show. Right. And I... Very grateful I actually chose the other person because it's a much better show. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dodged a bullet, right? <laughs> you know, but at the time, yeah. you know, I was 
you know, I was fucked off. So, yeah, of course, there was times in my life when I wasn't the right guy. That, that often happens, uh, you know, in, in so many uh, situations. I think you get as you get older, you get better at knowing what not to pitch yourself for, don't you think? Like, yeah. You look at something and you go, well, you know, like, you, like as an example, uh, you know, I love watching Gruen. I think it's fantastic. And if someone said, would you like to host that? I'd say, no, no, I would not. Because you know who hosts it really well is Will. And you know what I don't want to do is everything that he does to make that work. So yeah. you kind of look at something and you you can look mm. at things and think, ah, no, that's not for me, that's not for me. That I can do, you know. Yeah. Uh, I But I did very much so because I'd tra- kind of gone from that week, those two weeks where I was on Two Day FM doing the – I was on there for four, four weeks that time. Right. And then four weeks about six weeks later when he said something about Magda Jabansky. Right. Kyle. Um, yeah. Did he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, wow. Uh, you don't remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember. You remember. <laughs> uh, you're working in the very studio that it happened in. Yeah, I can still smell it. Um, and uh, it was in that time that I kind of felt the first sniff of what a life after Idol might be like. Right. Because for so long I'd been Andrew G, the guy on radio. Yeah. And that Good Newsweek episode that I worked with you on was like the first time I'd been allowed on telly to kind of kind of be myself. Oh, right. Was that terrifying? No, it was great. Well, yep. not, not, I've been myself on Channel V. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. Which is the music channel I used to work on. Yep. But um, not in a network way because the jobs I'd had didn't allow me to do that. Yeah. You know, I'm, and I, nor would I. If I started, you know, making it about myself on Idol, that's not the job. Yeah. The job is to, you know, you're a traffic cop. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fine. I used to thoroughly enjoy you with James Matheson though. I oh, used to really man. enjoy it because I felt like there was a very subtle double act going on that, uh, if if you paid attention, you picked up on it. Yeah. Like there was a lot of there was a lot of setup from you. There was a lot of Matheson giving a comment and then giving a stare at the camera. That if you paid attention, it was like these guys know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and I always enjoyed that. Yeah, it was one of those when you work on a on a show like that. It's, yeah, it's a it's a real blessing to have someone on air that you can work with like that. Yeah, and that cracking bloke too. Oh, such a nice guy. Yeah. Such a lovely guy. Great dad. You know, he's got two beautiful little kids. Yeah. Yeah, he's a really, really smart guy. Yeah. Um, geez, he's a good writer too. Yeah, Really right. good writer. What's he doing um, at the moment? Uh, I haven't seen Actually, he's writing a... Uh, Can we say? say? He's writing something. He's writing something. Yeah, which we'll keep an eye out for. Quite quite significant actually. Right. Oh, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's an incredible actor too. Incredible comic actor. Yeah, right. That... I haven't seen him act yeah. before. Well, yeah. that's the that thing. doesn't surprise you know, me. Yeah. He's, you know, I think he's just the kind of guy that's just going to bite his time and then. Yeah. Well, explode. it's what we were talking about, picking the right thing that you want to do and then, and yeah. then doing it well. Yeah. Rather than, uh, you know, you, you can, <laughs> you know, you see, uh, as you said, like with the Australian Idol thing and then life after it, the, the, the worst thing you could have done is, you know, hosted a lesser version of that or and then something Which else. Which is why I went overseas. Yeah. Which is why I went to America. Yeah. Because I just, you know, it was time to just get out of people's faces for a while. But it was perfect as well because then when we were seeing you, you were like, it was at the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, oh, great... I wonder what's going on with us. Holy shit. Yeah, he's I'm massive. very big. I'm yeah. very, very, very big. Um, so you live in Sydney now. I do. Where did you do the, the, the small Justin Hamilton work? Like the, the early kind of five year old stand up? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, so I was an Adelaide boy uh, for people overseas. Adelaide is where they pronounce Lego properly. And it's a small town on the edge of a desert with shallow graves in the hills. If you've seen the film Snowtown, it's just down the road. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a uh, Snowtown is not a comedy. Uh, no. Just as a warning, it's, it's not. It's not a Disney sh- movie. It's not. It's, it's not, not the sequel to Frozen, but it's not far from it. Jeez, it is. Oh my god. Well, you know the. the so I grew up in Adelaide, and it, it was in the eighties. My mum was as a as a young fella was more worried about me going out at night than you know. She said. She said not not distinctly, but to a certain extent. She was more worried than if she had a daughter because there was all that kind of strange stuff that went on. Well, there's a, th- and you know, we'll probably get lynched for talking about this stuff, but Adelaide's the town where the Beaumont kids right. disappeared yeah. in plain view of yeah. a packed, was it Glenelg Beach? Uh, or Henley Beach. Was it Glenelg? I think it was Might Glenelg. Have been Glenelg Beach. Yeah. Two children, like three. absolutely vanished. Three yeah. children yeah. vanished. Yeah. In front of, in plain sight. Nobody knows. No one ever saw them again. And it's also the stuff, we want, um, as you would have no doubt grown up, um, there was always this urban legend of a thing called the family. Oh yeah, down well, in Adelaide. Well, like a like a fact, you it know. Fact, like right. we we had um, uh, we had uh, a, a poor young boy called uh, Richard Kelvin was uh, was taken off the streets and on O'Connell Street, and Richard's dad was a uh, a newsreader called Rob Kelvin, and it was a message to the to everyone: just back off with what you're doing. The family was supposedly. Um, High, uh, high class judges and lawyers and all, all that kind of stuff, and then they uh, ended up kind of giving up one of their own, Bevan Spencer von Einem, and that was the stuff that you kind of grew up, yeah, that it was surrounded just by. Really dark shit would go on. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Stephen King, I think, said that you know if he was ever going to place a story outside of Bangor, Maine, Adelaide was perfect because it's because it's a city. With a with a at, this was a few years a couple of decades ago now with a small town mentality it was and that's where the darkness bubbles up so underneath on the on the edge of a desert oh yeah yeah you just hear that very bad things boom yeah boom, oh my god boom, right boom. you know coming back in from Murray Bridge right <laughs> like you know what when Twin Peaks came on we were like why have they stolen our lives like, yeah <laughs> yeah it's pretty wild but uh, wild town when how old were you when you know, w- w- did your mum talk to you about this stuff? Oh, like- yeah, yeah, yeah. See, mum was 19 uh, when she had me and I come from a single mum background and uh, my mum, Andrea, is uh, super smart, like, and always, you know, as as a young kid, uh, you know, she never taught down to me. So she would, like, uh, as an example, she was always trying to teach me. She would talk to me about these things in very plain language. She used to talk to me about politics. Uh, I remember in grade two, she uh, took me out of school for the day and we went and uh, the Holocaust Museum was uh, being toured around Australia and she took me through and showed me all of the atrocities that happened in Jesus, World War II. You're six. Uh, six or seven, yeah, because yeah. she, she wanted me to understand what was going on in the world out there and wanted mm. me to be educated about this kind of stuff, mm. you know. Uh, and also, but you know, because, because you know, there was that, that, that casual racism, especially of the 70s and 80s. Well, you know, some people would say that we haven't grown out of it now. It's <laughs> a little, but it was a little bit more overt back mm. then. Mum and I were... You know, when the cricket was on, we we barracked for the West Indies. Like, you know, it was all about Viv Richards and Michael Holding because they were cool and they were smart and they, they talked about politics and things like that. And my grandfather, who was a, a very nice man but also, you know, from that generation, used to be furious 
you should be furious. How can you barrack against your country? And I was like, well, at the time, those guys were more interesting and had more interesting things to say. So we, so mum was uh, doing her best as a single mum specifically to to educate me in in many ways. And what was it like for her to be become pregnant at eighteen in Adelaide? Well, you know, so uh, mum. Mum's boyfriend, who ended up being my father, like they they were just meant to be boyfriend girlfriend. And what happened was, uh, you know, back then you had to have shots before you went overseas, and so mum had her shots, and the pill didn't work. And this little guy went, "I I can make a run for this." Yeah. yeah. Like, and so mum had, uh, we have a Scottish background, and mum was went to the went to live in Glasgow, and was was loving it living over there. And then discovered that she was pregnant with me and looked around at Glasgow and thought about Adelaide and was like, it might be better to go back to Adelaide, which I completely understand why she did that. But I could have had a Scottish accent, which would have made me naturally 30% funnier. Like, this is a disaster, Andrea. Why didn't you stay there? Like, I might have been tough for the first two decades. But was she shunned at all? Is Adelaide (laughs) the kind of town where single mums were like, oh, you, you know? Well... Before we answer that, not only was she a single mum, she was a vegetarian who voted Labor when Labor was more socialist. Like mum is very much, has always maintained the rage about Gough Whitlam. Uh, You know, she read books, uh, you know, philosophical books uh, and, you know, Sartre. Mum was very much an existentialist. So uh, in answer to your question, she probably was, but... I never knew it because right. she's just a strong woman. Right. You know, like I, I even remember, you know, but also fair as well. Like, you know, I was brought up an atheist and mum's a staunch atheist and lots of people would get into her head and say, you know, like maybe he wants to go to Sunday school. Maybe he wants <laughs> to go to Sunday school and maybe you're not letting him and maybe it's unfair because you're putting your thoughts and opinions and views yeah, into him. Yeah. And mum said, okay, well, if you want to go, why, why don't you go? She let me go to Sunday school uh, and then when I came home and she said, what do you think? And I said, do I have to go back? And she was like, you by my son no uh, right. <laughs> so she was she was great and were you, um, were you weird amongst the kids at school and that you were the single mom kid uh i you know what like if i was i don't remember no i don't really like you know like we didn't come from much in the way of money either uh, but i would not consider that i had a poor upbringing yeah. if that makes sense and also like she was just a i don't know just a I, I think about her strength of character and it's uh, it's so impressive. Like um, in, I think I was in uh, year three, uh, so I must have been about six or seven and for whatever reason, like I, I still, I didn't know at the time, I didn't know now, but there was a, an Aboriginal kid at my school who just gave me a shiner out of nowhere. And when I arrived home, you know, my grandfather and my uncle were like, you know, this is how you defend yourself and this is how you fight. And my mum spent... A lot of time really explaining to me you know it's bad that that kid did that and it's bad you know you shouldn't accept that and you you know you need to be able to stand up for yourself but really also at the same time maintain the balance of do not say anything racist about this kid it doesn't matter that he's aboriginal it's 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 he did that because of possibly what was going on in his life but you don't have to accept that but do not allow that to turn into a a form of racism and Mm. you know i'm so grateful that she was uh not only a great mum but also a forward thinker in that regard 
Yeah. So, you know, like and doing that all by herself with the pressures of, you know, men with moustaches, you know, telling and saying stuff about... Lager, breath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, passing judgment on... Did you go to the stuff. Christmas parade? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to go with my grandfather. Yeah. My, but when the royal show was on, this is what my mum used to do. She used to say, we can go to the royal show or I can take you to the movies. And so I would go, well, let's go to the movies. And, like, you know, mum was good in the sense that because she wasn't allowed to do things as a kid, she was like, well, that's not going to be my son. So yeah. at eight years old, my first concert was Kiss at Adelaide Oval. <laughs> you know, oh, mum... When I kind of grew out of Kiss by, you know, 11, uh, 10, 11, mum was the one who said to me, um, hey, do you want to see David Bowie? And I was like, oh, hang on, what's he done? She said, oh, he's done Let's Dance and Ashes to Ashes and Ziggy Stardust. And I was like, is that the same guy? And she said, yeah, if you want to go, you have to let me know now. The tickets are real expensive. They are $20 each. And Is the Glass Spider tour? No, this is Serious Moonlight. And so mum... Mum on a hunch thought that I would be into his music for lots of reasons and thought he would be someone that would be good for me to be into and that started the lifelong Bowie. Love. What a gift. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. Well, Audrey took uh, Gigi. Uh, Gigi's first concert was Beyonce. Oh, great mum. Like, well, you want to talk, what about, a great you talk about imprinting a kid? Yeah. Like boom, there it yeah. is. That's how it's done. Yeah. And then like. You don't go see anybody else for a little while. Yeah. Just let that sink in. Let it sink in. Because, you know, it's essentially like if your first gig that you ever saw was Prince, yeah. you'd essentially be like every other band you ever see was like, well, you're not Prince. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, unfortunately, I've seen, I saw Prince enough times yeah. to be like every other band I saw was like for me kind of ruined. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. To be honest. When, when, we've, we've had a tough year, by the way. <laughs> Like we have had a really tough year. That's why you know when when uh, Prince died. That's why I sent you that message immediately. Yeah, just going, man, I, I hear. Yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? Like it's, it's really just tough. really, yeah. it's just you know, it's it's because yeah, you invest so much in uh, like the, these guys were not only great musicians, which goes without saying, but they were they were interesting. They had interesting things to say. Like uh, I don't know about you, but. Bowie opened me up to lots of different kinds of artists, you know, Iggy Pop, Kraftwerk, uh, you know, in later years, you know, TV on the radio. Visually as well, he was placebo. very challenging. Yeah, writers like William Burroughs, he'd talk about the William uh, the Burroughs technique and you go, oh, what does this mean? Then you would look into it and you go, oh, right. Suddenly you're reading The Naked Lunch. You know, it was it, – it, when, when you're into someone to such an extent that you want to kind of understand how they work, it's amazing how when you look back over time how much they've left an imprint on who yeah, you are. I wonder now that you can know everything about every member of your favourite band at all times. Oh. I wonder if it's the same. Right. Well, like where's the mystique? Yeah. Like mystique is really important. I think that's why we're still – someone was saying to me, oh, God, the Beatles, why do people keep talking about the Beatles? And it's because, because no matter how much everyone reports – they're still just words and people's opinions. And so, you know, we don't have, you know, there's a Snapchat of John Lennon telling Paul McCartney, go fuck yourself, you know, like there's none of that kind of stuff. So yeah. uh, that, that mystique is really important. Yeah, um, like when you think about, I mean, we are two old men talking about, you know, things used to be good. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Page never gave an interview. Right, right. Until well after Led Zeppelin. Yeah. He was just this mystical dude. Right. And he was mystical. Totally. It was into dark magic or at least he spread 
yeah, you know, the Alistair Crowley. Alistair Crowley thing, yeah. 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 He spread rumours about that sort of stuff. Well, you know, there's even that stuff about, you know, Bowie in the, like the mid-70s when he was deep in his cocaine psychosis and was, uh, you know, the reports are that he uh, was living on cocaine, milk and capsicum as a diet and was worried that Jimmy Page had put a hex on him and got his pool blessed and was keeping uh, jars of urine in, in the bathroom. Now, you might say that's crazy, but we got station to station out of that, so thank you very much. <laughs> and that is a cracking album. It's that, it's that, Bill, it's that Bill Hicks line, you know, yes, drugs are bad, but it hasn't done my record collection right. <laughs> any wrong. Right. It's like, you think Purple Haze is written on you know? Right. <laughs> Hello, I am the Eggman. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When... Do you remember the first time you were funny? Do you remember the first time you got a laugh out of uh, an older person? Uh, I reckon there was a, a play back. It's funny that you should ask this. Uh, there was a play back in grade two and I was playing, I think I was playing a, uh, a sheriff or something and then something was going to happen in the classroom and then I was going to come in with the guns. And while I was outside and I pulled the gun out and it just kind of, flipped down. It was one of those ones that you put the caps in, there was no caps mm. in it, but it would flip down and I kind of realised that if I flick it, it, it just points down. So, so it would basically, uh, it would it would go from a, a weapon yeah. to... You, 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 right. Yeah. So without telling anyone, uh, I decided that when I was introduced and I came out and I flicked the gun and the gun faced down and I still made the bang and then I pretended I'd been shot in the foot and I remember... Uh, my teacher, Mrs. Spencer, clapping, and I thought that's a nice feeling. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the first drug I took. Right, was that? Oh, it's tasty. It's yeah. like they're laughing and they're clapping and they're looking at you, and you go, "Well, I hope this doesn't follow me throughout life." Get oh. eight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's 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 three I can remember in in grade three. My best friend and we just did this little sketch for my mum and Asha. In hindsight, you just like I just wish that I could have seen what my mum's face was doing when this happened. Uh, we came out and he got on all fours and I straddled him and pretended he was a motorbike. And as I was trying to start him up, he sang the Rolling Stones. You start me up as I'm trying to, and it's like my mum would have been like 25, looking at her son straddling his friend, pretending that he's a motorbike just singing Rolling Stones and you just go, what was going on there? But pretty funny. Yeah, but you're putting two and two together, you know. Right. That's a, a wonderful thing, you know, and if you were that, and I'm two old guys talking about how good things used to be, if yep. you were that age now, the two of you would have been sitting around in your room playing an iPad, playing Minecraft. Oh, yeah. And if, you know, if, if someone saw me straddling my friend, they probably, I'd, I'd be on sort, all sorts of drugs for being attention deficit disorder <laughs> or something like that, you know. <laughs> no, 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 that was just, uh, you know, that was yeah, just yeah. an idea and we did it. Um, so did, did, once you've got this, once you started figuring this stuff out, yeah. uh, when you start doing it more deliberately, I think that's the, did, was that become a path for you? Like deliberately trying to make people laugh? Well, yeah. I, you know, I remember, uh, I was, I, I think it's fair to say that I was, uh, relatively funny for a kid at school. Um, I remember my uh, there was a there was a girl that came to my school and had had some family stuff happen. And the first week that she was in our class, she the poor girl was just crying because she was just sad. And I I reckon I was like mini uh, 
Belushi in Animal Farm, just doing lots of things to try and entertain her and that kind of stuff. And I remember uh, uh, one of my uh, school chums, Connie, said to me, she said, are you going to grow up to be a comedian? Like, And that was in grade four. So... I enjoyed I enjoyed being funny and I enjoyed making people laugh. Yeah. It, 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 and, it, and also I enjoyed people being happy but I also, as a little fella, realised it kind of led to popularity and also meant that I didn't really get into much in the way of fights, you know, because... Mm. Who wants to fight the guy that's making them laugh? Right. So not that not that it was a conscious decision back then, but when I look back on it, I think there was a little bit of working things out. Yeah. What do you remember about being a teenager in Adelaide? Uh, you know, I just I, I a lot of malls balls. A lot of malls balls, mate. Always meet at the malls balls. Always meet at the malls balls, mate. I can remember meeting at the malls balls. The first time I was allowed to go to the movies by myself, I met up with Matt Killen, met up with Matt at the malls balls, and we went and watched Rocky Four, and it was great. <sighs> I must break you, right, Ivan Drago. Ivan Drago, Come. best ever fitness montage. Oh yeah, best ever training montage. Yeah. Yeah. And then like he's pulling the sled, and Drago's on the. Oh, big yeah. machine. Yeah, he's then... using all the high-tech machinery and, and there's and Rocky with a tie around his yeah, neck like, in the snow. He's chopping a tree down. Right. He's chopping wood and he's yeah. running through. I hated what Drago did to Apollo Creed, but if it led to the movie Creed last year, well, thank you, Ivan Drago. Oh, my God. I could have, um, I could have yeah. burst into tears when uh, when uh, the, the uh, Adonis, you know, Rocky's going to throw in the towel and he says, you know, Adonis says, don't do it. I've got to prove that I wasn't a mistake. I said, well, you've already had my heart, Adonis. You've already had my heart. I'm not saying I can relate to this, but don't throw in the towel, Rocky. Um, yeah, the, the idea that, okay, so Saturday I'll meet you at 11 o'clock at Moss yeah. Balls. Yeah. And you were just there. And you were just there. Uh, and we, if you weren't there, you'd just wait. You'd just wait. Because you know what? They'll turn up because you said you'd meet there. It might take a while, but it'll happen. And you just kind of sit there with your thoughts in the old days. You didn't have a, anything to occupy you. Oh, my God. I learned very early on to take a book. <laughs> <laughs> For the younger people listening, a book used to be um, <laughs> old men. But uh, I was lucky growing up in Adelaide because uh, I, I like comedy a lot. You know, we were talking about the uh, the young ones on VHS being yeah. brought over to us from the UK. Yeah. I watched The D Generation and mum encouraged all of that stuff. Yeah, so and did my mum, yeah. Yeah, it's good, right? My mum got a VHS recorder, one of the first in Adelaide actually, right. um, because she wanted to tape the Curiosity Show. Oh, yeah. On Channel right. 9. She goes, this is smart and you kids need to watch this a lot. Right. So she'd tape it so we could watch it again and again and again. Oh, good on you, mum. And, and, and so we then used that same VHS recorder to record things like Degeneration yep. and Young Ones and we'd just watch it over and over and over and yep. over again. I remember watching that Degeneration Thunderbird sketch a hundred times. Oh, amazing, right? Uh, Austria. I thought you said Australia. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. I, um, the, uh, I've always wanted to meet Rob Sitch. I've somehow missed Rob Sitch, but he was a huge influence on me as a kid. I loved him. It's full on when you meet him because he's so tall. Yes. And yeah, I'm probably still the same height that I was as a kid to him. Yeah. He's, (laughs) and you just see that he's, you know, because he's a doctor. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Super smart. Crazy smart. Yeah. I nearly had him for a live. Uh, can you take this photo, please, in in Melbourne? And and we couldn't make it work. And there was, there was that disappointment. And oh, far out. I just, you know, I think I'd be a, a little bit, 
Yeah. I, I would be scared I'd have him on the podcast and, and forget to let him talk. When you do, um, <laughs> when you do, have you been paying attention? Yeah. Um, they, uh, and when he did the panel or whatever, they would, they'd pay you a fee. Yeah. Because they remember what it was to not make any money. Yeah. They don't, could say, oh, look, we, you know, a lot of people give it to charity, but, you know, this is the rate, the fee rate. And the checks and the cab charges, everything's uh, frontline productions. Yeah, right. Still. Yeah. That's cool. Working Dog's just the working title. Yeah. It's still frontline productions. Right. Yeah. That's great. And I it, love that so much. Isn't and it? they're in the same building they were when they... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I started. Man, the, there are... So before I ever set foot on stage, um, oh, and the big gig, big gig was a massive influence on yeah, me. Yeah, I talk about that a lot on this show with people. Yeah. Tuesday night, 9.30. Yeah. It was, I think, Young Ones then big gig. Uh, I can't remember what they came before. Maybe it, it was, yeah. They programmed it like that. Brought it back so And we would record both. Yeah. And watch it the next day because I couldn't stay up that late. Right. And just the amount, like so, and I've been in that studio. It's yeah. tiny. It's tiny. That it's, makes no sense to me. It's absolutely tiny in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being able to watch that and and that we had this singular font of cultural outlet. Yeah. It wasn't 70 million channels at every point. Like as a society, we all have the same cultural references. Right. And what does that do then for a stand-up when you stand in front of a crowd knowing that of the 300 people you're talking to, you're pretty safe yeah. Referencing this, this and that thing because there's only four channels. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everyone's watching everything because well, the there's thing. nothing else to watch, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what really stood out for you on Big Gig? Uh, you know, like I loved uh, uh, I loved Jing Kitson as Candida. Yeah. Uh, I loved uh, – I, I thought Wendy Harmer was amazing. Um, you know, uh, do, do you remember – Mum bought a beta because when we bought a beta, we had someone who was on the inside who said it's a better quality. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the porn industry said, well, we're using VHS and suddenly beta. Anthony so Aykroyd's beta. Beta loses, right. I paid $800 for a clock. Yep. That was a far line. out. That was a really remember. funny joke. I still that remember it. I used to watch over and over again on our beta. And uh, um, uh, Glenn Nicholas was great, but it was all about the just after nine, it was always about the empty pockets doing, you know, the Lager Boys thing. Yeah. You know, when you have a niche and you can't pick it and they get a little picket fences to get up his nose and then as soon as you would love that and as soon as it was finished, boom, Doug Anthony All-Stars and it was the best. Yeah. It was the best because they were, they were everything up to that point. They were, funnily enough, what I felt like my mum had been teaching me about comedy, which was they were naughty, 
they were funny, they were smart, they were subversive, and they were chaos. Like they were chaos. And it was just that thing of like just even watching them walk through the studio. What about that episode where Tim took the T-shirt off the guy in the crowd? Like that was fantastic, swinging it over his head, singing Kiss Me You Fool. Like I just remember watching that over and over and that would over again. Children. Right. Whoever took a punt on those guys. Right. Is that Ted Robinson? Pop, pop, uh, like I'm guessing it's Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever took a punt on those oh. guys. I know what they were just Canberra Uni brats. Just yeah. Political. Uh, so I was very lucky. So because mum was so uh, when I was 16. so I still must- get the willies whenever I meet Paul. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't make it easy for you as well. I mm-hmm. love I love McDermott. He lets you sit on it. He goes, "That's right. I was the guy you watched every week." Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep talking. I might just talk back to you. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. Like so, uh, when when I was sixteen, so Mum would have been thirty five. She used to work for um, uh, the world. Uh, God, who was it? Wilderness. Uh, any, Society, World yeah. Wildlife Fund, World, World, World WWF Wrestling. I don't know. Yeah, it was uh, it was the where the the animals wrestled, and uh, they came to Adelaide, and Mum got them to do a thing for them, uh, where they would for it was the Walk Against Want. Oh yeah, and uh, at this press conference, Tim stood up and said, for every step they take forward, the Doug Anthony All Stars are going to take a step backwards because we want to keep that money in Australia. Like funny, right? Just really, really funny. And so they got along well with mum and they said, do you want to come to the show? And mum said, can I bring my son along? And they said, oh, yeah, sure. So they were looking at my mum who was this cool 35-year-old woman and I think they were probably expecting like, you know, a young fella and then I have turned up at 16 and Osha, fuck, man, I, I feel a bit sick even when I think back on it. But I just so wanted to impress them. I just really wanted to impress them. Like I told them, oh, yeah, I got your Joe Walton joke about you know, where they'd sing, let's test the intelligence of the audience. Uh, what was the last song that Joe Orton sang? When I have a hammer, I hammer in the morning. Oh, you don't get the joke? Well, we're going to do the dumb stuff now. And I got the joke because I'd seen Gary Oldman in the uh, in the movie about Joe Orton called Prick Up Your Ears. And so I got the joke and I wanted to tell him and I wanted to, oh, yeah, I've been reading some Nietzsche and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I look back on those young guys who were so sweet to me. Like, yeah. they were so sweet. Like, uh, I, I really appreciate in hindsight how nice they were to me. But anyway, they, w- w- they'd come to Adelaide and we'd, we'd just kind of catch up with them. Sometimes they'd come no. over to our place for dinner really? and stuff like that. And from primary school, I wanted to be a writer. And I told mum that and mum just said, yeah, okay, awesome. you're going to be a writer. Let's, let's make this happen kind of thing. And Richard Feidler, who has in many ways been such an influence on me, read some of my writing when I was about 18 and he said, this is really funny. You should get into comedy. And I said, why is that? And he said, because, you know, you can spend three years writing a book and you can send it out there and nobody gets in touch with you and how do you improve? And he said, but if you have an idea, you can get on stage, you can do it and you can improve on it the next night and you can improve on it the next night. So it's a really good way to travel the world and I thought that's easy for you to say because you're Richard Feidler from the Doug Anthony All-Stars and... Uh, you know, so I had that put in my head. Wow. And then at the same time, because I didn't come from a lot of money, uh, a friend of mine, Damien Kilsby, who I used to play basketball with, we our friends were turning 21 and we couldn't really afford to get them this a good present. So we made a video and we called ourselves the Bunter Boys. You know, Bunter is a South Australian Aboriginal word for crazy and is used quite a lot in Adelaide. And, um, 
And so we made it's this. It's a nicer word than Minder, which is a. Oh, uh, yeah. I lived across the road from the old Minder. That's oh, did you story. really? Yeah. That's story. Oh, I used to go to Woodville High School, which was opposite oh, the Woodville yeah. Spastic Centre. Yeah. When, like, when that word was. Totally fine. Not derogatory. No, it, on a sign. Right. Yeah, yeah. So funny. Um, so we made videos and then all our friends watched the videos and they said, oh, can you make videos for us? And so Where'd we you get the camera? Oh, Damien had this, you know, big cumbersome camera that we would, you know, on tape, you know, film these things yeah. and painstakingly edit from video recorder to video. Oh, no anyway. I've got, I've got 1080p uh, uh, on my iPhone that I edit on iMovies. Right. In slow-mo if I want. Right. Back then you'd be – so all your videos yeah. would have the waiver. At every cut. Yeah. Right. And so – uh, anyway, we just kept making videos for friends and then someone said – so then we went down and watched the comedy at Bolt's Cafe and it was it was great. It was a – it had only been gone for about four or five months and we sat there and we had a few beers and then uh, we spoke to the guy who ran it, a Canadian comedian called Jack Smith and we said we'd like to get up and he said, do you have an act? And we said, do we? And he said, okay, well, we've got a class on Monday and, and if it's any good, we'll put you on the Thursday. So that weekend we wrote an act. And then did the first gig and the first gig went well. And you know what? I think it went well enough. But we had about 50 people from our basketball club come down to watch us. And I think Jack went well. That was fine. And there's lots of people. (laughs) (laughs) And we we just kept going back week after week after week. And that was was, uh, March, uh, end of March 1994. Right. Yeah. And how long did you suck? I don't know because we seem to do, you know, because we had uh, a lot of friends come along and then, uh, you know, audiences seemed to like us. We were very much, uh, we were very much the sum of our influences. It was, it was shit scared. It was the shit scared dynamic. It was Doug Anthony All-Stars. It was the Marx Brothers. Uh, I was a huge Woody Allen fan. Uh, so there was all sorts of crazy shit going on there. Um, so I I don't I don't know. I feel like maybe about seven years ago that I stopped sucking. Really? <laughs> I don't know. Just when I met you? Yeah. <laughs> I, got, yeah. I had the Yosha bump. <laughs> <laughs> At what point though? Okay, so where was the crossover? Where did you be able to pay your groceries from doing this stuff? Well. Uh, it, and what job did you do in the meantime? Oh, yeah, a lot of bar work. Yeah? Yeah. And so, but for the first, like we would, like the first gig we got paid for was about eight weeks into our, because there wasn't a, a huge amount of people there. That's where Limo started, by the way. Oh. Limo started four months before uh, before us. And our first gig was we were getting 25% of the door. Get the fuck out right. of here. Who are you, Peter Grant? Right. We made a massive seventeen dollars, not each, eight dollars fifty each, and we went. What manner of magic is this? Like this is the greatest. We got up and sang a song about everlasting thrush, and now we can buy four beers each. Very different times. Uh, so, but you know, I think I think the, I think the Bunter boys. You know, I look back on that very fondly, because because we didn't have a scene 
like Melbourne that had already had established superstars like Judith Lucy and Greg Fleet and Anthony Morgan and Dave O'Neill and all of those cracking comedians. Um, we didn't have anyone who influenced us in person, so we just took our ideas from all these different aspects of pop culture. Uh, so we never had a bad idea. Mm. Never, and, and we had to keep writing new material every week, uh, like every week. Yeah, that's so, good. So we just based it on well, that's what we saw on the big gig. Yeah. Doug Anthony All-Stars always have a new set, so we always have a new set. The first time we headlined, I think it was like 10 or 11 weeks into when we started, and they said, can you headline, do 25 minutes next week? And we went, oh, okay. So we wrote a 25-minute set. In a week. Yeah, because we thought that's what, we, what you had to do. I think we used a couple of songs, some of our best songs, but, yeah, we wrote a new wow. 25 minutes because we didn't know any better. At what point did – because musical comedy can be a little thing that you can – I don't know. Oh, yeah, when you look back on it, you, you do realise that even if your song's a bit shitty, it is an automatic clap machine at yeah. the end. Oh, they finished the song. Yeah, but or, or, yes. We've and, been conditioned. And if you have the – you know, as Pete Holmes would say, you know, you have the love song and it's all very sweet and, yeah. you know – you know, mention style or, or whatever, yeah. you get to go, and that's when you took an egg beater and put it up my ass. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> you get to say stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like a magical thing yeah. that you can. I, I, I think the best song that we ever wrote was uh, a song that uh, I remember working at the bar uh, at Bolt's Cafe in the middle of a busy function and this chorus came into my head and I wrote it down. You, you'd serve a a drink and then you'd have to turn around and cross it off the, the list of uh, of their bar tab. And I wrote the chorus to this song, um, uh, the, the lyrics to this song while crossing things off and it was a song about uh, um, a song that went out to the, the person that I loved the most and we couldn't be together and parents were really against it and we couldn't understand it and it was talking about this girl being perfect she could uh, she could uh you know she played sport she was intellectual she was funny she could dress up she could dress down she could do all the things and the chorus was so why does she have to be my fucking sister and the first time and my friend Damien was so good with the tune he managed to it sounded like it sounded a little bit uh crowded houseish you know yeah, 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 and then yeah, when yeah. it hit and i i remember at the time thinking, all right, I think we could give this to someone and they could – I, I think this is funny. Yeah. Not not just for us. I think it, it's actually a well-put-together kind of yeah. comedy song. <laughs> funny, right? <laughs> but I, I look back. There was a time when I became – because we did that for five years and then when I was uh, going into solo stand-up, which was – I didn't realise how hard it was going to be. I just figured – well, I've got all these skills, I'll just transpose them into stand-up. But what I didn't realise was I had to find the light and shade in my own performance, mm. whereas the light and shade was in the act. I was the angry little fella and Damien was the lovable galoot. And then, you know, suddenly there's some jokes. Did you play as well? No. Okay, no, no, so you're Damien. okay being on stage without a guitar? Yeah. Because a lot of people are like, once they take the guitar away, they're like, well, I don't know what oh, to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I was fine. And I, I also suddenly realised, wow, how good is it like just going to gigs and you don't have to have a DI, you don't have to have a second microphone stand, Brilliant. a second microphone. Like just show up. All the shit that we used to have to go through. Yeah. Like even if you guys don't have a microphone, I can do this without. Like this is <laughs> – life yeah. became so much simpler. But for a long time I kind of looked at that stuff and felt a little bit – 
uh, maybe, you know, unfairly a little bit embarrassed because I was trying to find my own voice as a stand-up. But now with so many years between it, I, I look back on it as just this really creative, fertile time of, as I said, no bad ideas. Yeah. Like none. Yeah. You know, you would just follow it through. It'd be uh, the idea that you can develop your skills and certainly the discipline of writing every week. Yeah. And not having anything to compare it to except this one thing on a right. Tuesday night. Yeah. Or other people you saw within your city is it's a real blessing. Yeah. Because you can write something and then look on YouTube and see 400,000 people who are funnier yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Compare yourself to them and then give up. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to. Yeah. Or, you know, having a, you know, it's so important to have your ideas develop in, you know, like, like, like we were definitely derivative of our influences as are most people, but at least we kind of got to develop without someone having personal attacks at us. Oh, that's like the Doug Anthony All-Stars. Well, yeah, but this is our third week. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're finding our way. Yeah. You know, it's funny, The so purely by chance we'd been performing for six months and then uh, we were asked by Adelaide Uni, we'd done some gigs there, and they got in touch with us and said we would like to book you to do support for the Doug Anthony All-Stars. And I remember speaking to Richard, who was in the UK, and saying, guess who's doing support for you guys? And he was like, what? And anyway, so Richard always gave me the really good advice of, you know, getting in and was very supportive and would come and see gigs. And I, you know, like I... You know, even now I always want to impress Richard. And I remember Ferguson taking me aside and he said, Justin, I'm going to give you the most important advice that I can give you and you have to remember to always take it to heart. Never let anyone tell you that swearing is not funny. It's hilarious. Swear as much as you can. So that was Tim's advice to me. And Paul said to me, watch out, this industry will break your heart. And at the time I thought, well, that you know, that's kind of your character. You know, you're a yeah. bit cynical. And, but he was right. Their live show. I remember they used to play, and I was always too young to go right. when they toured Brisbane because they always played over 18 places in Brisbane. Oh, right, right. See, I had the Adelaide Fringe, so I got to uh, see theatre shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah, They would play a game of slaps inside the crowd right. that ended up with the, fina- the finalist on stage. Yeah. And I remember hearing stories that it was so real, Paul was spitting out teeth at one point. Mm. Like, who the fuck does yeah. that? Yeah. What was that, that kind of... You know, it was punk comedy in many ways. There is a very high-profile comedian who once told me that they hadn't, you know, I'm not sure if they had started yet or maybe were getting close to starting and they went and saw them live and ended up being slapped really hard by Paul and that person has not really forgiven that and it was many years ago. But it was a show. Yeah, but wasn't, you know. He ended up on stage. Uh, no, but was in the audience and got and got slapped really hard and Isn't that was wild. Yeah, it's almost like something Steve Martin would do, but my far more violent. Right, to yeah, do that kind of crowd play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who does that now? Who does that sort of shit with a crowd now? You know? Yeah, you, you know what? I think uh, uh, for a while there, I thought um, I, I toured on Roadshow with Eddie Perfect, and uh, when he was doing stuff. Uh, with the late and wonderful Will Poskett, they, they, they had a bit of a Doug Anthony all-star vibe. But I feel like to a certain extent um, it's Sam Simmons. Yeah. I, I think Sam Simmons has that sense of anarchy uh, that you can be completely overwhelmed by the show. But also if you uh, pay attention to it, he has some really, really fascinating things yeah. to say at the same time. The idea of writing every week I think is super, super important. I would certainly hope that people take that away from this show is that the idea of yeah. – 
being forced yeah. to just work that muscle, and which is a big reason why I took this radio gig. Right. Yeah, because oh, I write does. every day. Yeah, you have to. I write every day and I love it. You have to observe life and put it through your filter yeah. and to make it personal but then also find ways for people to be able to relate and, and that's an important skill to yeah. develop. Which is – and, it, you know, it's what's great is that I'm working with two extraordinary storytellers, yeah. Stav Davidson, who's he's a punchline machine. Yeah. And, in fact, punchline machines look at him and go, how can we get fast like that? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Abby Coleman who's just – Oh man, that girl is something. Else. I haven't met Abby before, she's but I've seen else, her on. Uh, have TV. you been paying attention? Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. great. She's something else, but yeah. you know. So I've got a at the start. You know, I've got this standard to live up to with these two. Yeah, it's good. You know, and they've had five years together. Yeah. Stab's been on radio for eleven years. Yeah, so he just knows it backwards. So. Oh yeah, well that's what I'm enjoying about working with Rove on his breakfast radio show is that we're we're all writing sketches, and it's like every time Rove writes a really good sketch, there's a part of me going, well, I have to. I have to top that, you know, like in a good way, like, yeah. you know, you, um, and it's, uh, it's, it, it's, it's fun to be inspired that way. You know, not, not a lot of people get the opportunity to work in a place where every day is uh, there's a new level of inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I, I got to, this will make you laugh. I got to 43 and there was a point where I was just a bit uh, sick uh, earlier in the year and uh, my manager said, um, you know, you get sick days and I said, what? And she said, you know, you can like take a sick day. And I said, what, what is this, this sick day that you're talking about? <laughs> she said, you stay home and you get paid to stay at home until you're better. And I said, ah, oh, okay. And then I stayed home and I was sitting there thinking, man, this would have been heaps better if I wasn't sick. And I went, oh, sickies. Oh. Right. I get it. I finally get it. <laughs> yeah. So um, where do you, I mean, now you've got your, your most, very thoroughly stuck into mainstream broadcasting. Yeah, you know, in, in radio, where yeah. do you where do you get a vibe of where things are going? I mean, here we are. You've been in the podcast world for a while now. Independent yeah. digital broadcasting. You've most definitely got a sniff of it. Yeah, you can do it live. You can sell tickets to it. You can make money off it. Yeah, uh, no one tells you you can't say that. Right, there's no dump button. Right. you can say cunt if you want. Oh God, how good is it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Now you're in the world of you know, and Southern Cross Australia, which is both of our employers at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, is a behemoth oh, yeah. of a machine. Yeah. Where do you see it going? Where do you see – which way are we going to go? <sighs> well, it's interesting. Well, you know, like I uh, I was lucky enough to uh, have a few years at Triple J and uh, and then I had a, a couple of years with uh, Charlie Pickering and Terry Siakis on uh, Triple M doing uh, weekend breakfast, which was fun. So I've had a bit of a taste of it. But it's, it's interesting in the Sydney scenario where – you know, with Carl and Jackie O going over to Kiss and, you know, there's there's been a lot of talent that's been on the, the breakfast radio show in, in Sydney. Like I think the Dan and Baz show was in, in, like it had some incredible creative stuff going on and they're, they're super, super talented guys. I don't know, like I, I am more than willing to say this in regards to the fact that I don't deal with the money people. I don't deal with the people right up the top who are coming down and wanting to know what's going on with their investment. I don't I don't deal with any of those people. All I deal with is the creative and I think it's important to have personality. Yeah. I think we have some great personalities on our show. I think we need to really concentrate on those personalities and get their ideas out there because, because you can be, as an example, you can be a comedian who never really bombs but you never really say anything interesting. 
and therefore people will walk out and say, oh, I really like that second guy. Oh, yeah, what did he do? You know, the one that did the stuff about the supermarket. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was good. But if you have a particular take, what that means is 80% of people will love you, but 20% might hate your style. And you have to be not afraid to have people hate your style because that means there will be people that will love it mm. and you just have to hold your nerve. And I think it's difficult with social media and things like that. You know, there's some really interesting developments going on in the podcast world which can be translated into uh, into radio. Yeah, I think mainstream broadcasting still got a, a, a lot left in it. Yeah. and But what do you think in the same way that 2020 has affected the one-day international game yep. immeasurably, yep. the kind of scores we see in a one-day international cricket now, oh. it's just bananas. It's crazy. It was like it's just like you couldn't have even made that shit up. It sounds yeah. like a Billy Birmingham sketch when they go, right. oh, you know, Australia three for 572. It's like in a fucking one day. Right. You know, stuff like that. Anyway. If I was coming through looking at cricket, there is no way I'd become a bowler. Yeah. It would be all about batting. Yeah. So in the same way that 2020 and recent development in the game has affected – a, a more even test matches are different now. Yeah, how do you feel that the authenticity that people are used to as the norm that's happening in podcasts will affect mainstream broadcasting? Well, I think it's still going to take a while. There's still you know a lot of people who don't quite understand, like because I think in the podcast world, people just get it. People just get it, and there's a level of intimacy that cannot be recreated. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's great, and some of the. Some of the nicest and most interesting people I've met have been through the podcast from like, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a girl called Emily Lind who lives in New York who writes to me, who listens to the podcast. And you go, that, that is crazy. And like when I did Edinburgh a couple of years back, I had people who came from London who came to see me perform. And you go, that is like, that's brilliant. And it's very lucky. And I, I, I really, I'm so glad that... Uh, I kind of have got in on this, uh, this uh, you know, medium and, and have learnt from it. But, uh, yeah, I do think there are things like, you know, there is a level of frustration in commercial radio where, you know, I, I think sometimes just talking to someone is enough because they can be quite interesting. People can be interesting. I'm not into games. Every time we have to come up with a game, uh, to be honest, uh, it's a bit of a mental blank for me because I just literally have no interest i think i I think there's been uh i think there's been maybe two games that i've really enjoyed on our radio show one was uh coming off the back of our or uh of our social media uh girl amy who came up with a game for um uh theon from um alfie allen alfie allen came up with game of moans and we played all these people's deaths and he had to try and guess who's death it was and he that was fun that was great and i i think for the most part we're getting there with our show i think uh, the show's really developing i think we've got a a pretty good light and shade Mm. you know we talk about you know rove can be off the cuff funny like nobody's business first thing in the morning but then you know we can change gears and we can talk to someone about a serious topic and you know it, I don't think it loses any credibility. I think it actually gains and I think it still keeps with the yeah. with the feel of the show. Yeah. It's certainly interesting times as yeah. mobile data gets cheaper and cheaper. Yeah. And speeds get higher and higher. Yeah. The you know, the time when FM stops being the you know, people driving around will be streaming us live on their iPods. Right. And then we're up against Well, we are anyway. Oh, we're up against if WTF. You, if, 
you know. Well, yeah, if you can. Yeah, exactly. If you have figured out how to get your phone plugged into your car. Yep. Every radio station you listen to is up against the greatest content in the world. I was walking the dog this morning listening to BBC Radio on breakfast. Right. Fuck, it's good. Yeah. It's fuck. It's so fucking good. Yeah. But this is BBC Radio 1. It's resourced up the Jaxi. Right. You know, it's got 100 years of legacy behind it. Right. You know, and of course it's an incredible radio show. Also has a sense of what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think one of the things I've been really happy with is uh, the – the guy who's kind of our, our boss, I guess, at uh, Osterio is um, preaching patience, which is really important because the media, you know, they, they want results, they want results, but every radio show that does well has been around for a while in some format. Yeah. You know, uh, as as I am wrapped that, you know, my first gigs back in 94 aren't on YouTube, yeah. I think a, a lot of those radio shows would be grateful that they – found time to develop before yeah. social media really became a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't think anyone quite realises the pressure that it makes. I'll tell, I, you, I'll tell you who the guru is and the guy who's – he's like the horse whisperer of Radio Tames is Merrick. Oh, yeah, right. Merrick, yeah. Merrick listens – he can listen to a team and go, that'll last. Or yeah. mm, he can yeah. pick it. God, he can pick it. He's been doing it for so long and in uh, different time slots and different teams, you know, and it's uh, – yeah, that does not surprise me. Eighteen actually. years, he's never been out of contract once. Right, like, that's phenomenal, isn't it? And he's on. Did you see Slapchat? Did you see that where he uh, interviewed uh, Kevin Hart and Ice Cube? With Cube and uh, and every time he asked a question that they didn't like, they were allowed to slap him. And <laughs> I popped a kidney. Like it was funny stuff. Like and they belted him. Like it was. Belt, 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 belt. And then he asked a question and they turned around. They was like, oh, that's a really good question. They answered it really nicely. And then it went to uh, the next question. They're like, you son of a bitch. And then boom. And I, without ruining the magic, I'm not sure how real the, the, the slaps were. But I tell you what, they look real. And Merrick, because Merrick is, what Merrick does really well and uh, having been a guest on his show and getting, because it always changes when you work with someone, doesn't it? Mm. You can see the mechanics. Um he just has a keen sense of who he is no, exactly. and therefore everything is through the prism of who he is yeah. and therefore people listen to that. You know, it's like we, um, there was a really good uh, – Sam Kavanagh put together uh, a producers conference in Melbourne that was – I thought was fantastic and all the producers got up and talked about stuff. And uh, the guy – I can't remember his name. The producer for um, – WTF was there. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. That was great. Yeah. Uh, Fascinating guy yeah. too. Talking about working with uh, Rosie O'Donnell, geez, that was interesting. Yeah. But no, the producer for Any Maguire's breakfast show. Oh right, yeah. And you know, sometimes like the people I work with at, uh, at Robin Sam are fantastic. It's a, it's a cracking team, and I, uh, I really enjoy seeing them every morning. Uh, but sometimes you know, there's that thing of, oh, is that going to appeal to our demographic? Is this topic going to uh, appeal to this person? And I, I believe every topic can appeal as long as you give people a jumping on point because that's what a stand-up comedian does. I talk about personal things but I'll give you enough places for you to be able to jump on and go, oh, well, that story might be his story but I can relate to this, this, this and this. And there was this great example of uh, Eddie's show where they wanted to talk about the water that was discovered on Mars. And so Eddie wanted to talk about it philosophically and Luke Darcy wanted to talk about it practically and Malloy just wanted to know when we could get there and make beer. And if you listen to that show, 
you would almost be sitting there waiting. I wonder what Malloy's going to be saying. And then when he said beer, you'd be like, oh, beer. And that's a show knowing itself, everyone knowing who they are, knowing what their roles are and being able to talk about anything for the average punter in a way that is interesting and entertaining. I would say that what you just said there about Mez is probably be if there was something that folks could take away from this conversation, it would be, and certainly if whatever field you're in, it might not be broadcasting, most probably yep. not. There's about 100 jobs in the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got two of them. So yeah. there's 98 jobs in the country. <laughs> yeah. So whether it be if you're, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in sales, if you're whatever, it was like if you know what it is and what value you bring that no one else can bring in your sales team or within your family structure, whatever – if you know exactly what that is, you can just then bring everything through that. Yeah. And it becomes so much easier for people to digest because that you give them the same, they, they know exactly where you're coming from every time. Yeah. And that will always make you stand out in the team. Oh, yeah. Because they know exactly, ah, oh, we have to go to Jenny because Jenny's the one yeah. who does that. And also um, I, I was reading an interview with um, Duncan Jones, the director who's uh, – made uh, Moon and Source Code and uh, the Warcraft movie Fuck that's coming I out. Source Code. Oh, yeah, right? One of the – so underrated. Yeah, yeah. And he's great. And if, if people don't know, he's also David Bowie's son. And he was saying that's that – That's right. That's uh, right. He changed his name, yeah. Yeah, and Bowie was uh, – he was saying that his dad used to say, you know, when you, when you make something, like the worst thing you can do is be too comfortable. Always just, just, just move the goals just a little bit. Just be a little bit uncomfortable be a little bit uncertain and you will achieve greatness. And I, I really believe that. I think, you know, the worst thing that can happen is you feel really comfortable with everything that you're doing and then suddenly it's 20 years later and you, you realise you've just been recycling the same ideas. But, but also I, I need to say I understand how that happens mm. because you do, you get older and you think, oh, do I really want to be doing this or, you know, this idea or, you know, if I do this I just know it's going to work and, you know, you've got to roll the dice sometimes and, and – and, be prepared to fail because from failure, that's where you learn your best lessons. Without a doubt. I can't tell you anything from – you know what I can tell you from good gigs? They were good and I had a good time. <laughs> but you know what I can tell you from bad gigs? Oh, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. I left this word out. I wasn't really paying attention. Never wear that again. Those pants were too tight. What are you doing, Hamo? Like they're all the things that go through your head. And I think we'll get out on that. <laughs> I'm going to take your photo, okay? Yes, please. So, uh, yes. See what we did there? Yes. <laughs> I love I, it. Can I take your photo, please? You can. <laughs> that was Justin Hamilton. You can find him on Twitter at JustinHamilton underscore. He has an underscore after his name on Twitter. If you like the show, please let him know. If you really like the show, tell a friend. If you really, really like the show, patreon.com slash osher. For as little as five bucks a month, you can uh, pledge to the show and get access to exclusive episodes every month and know that you're helping me make this show. You don't have to pledge. If you can't, don't. But if you can, thank you. Because this show's uh, free to listen to, but it's not free to make. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody that is supporting the show. I've got to go because folks have just rocked up for dinner, which I'm very lucky (laughs) that that's happening. So I uh, wish that you too have a lovely day and a lovely night and you have a good time this week and you breathe and you feel the world around you the best you can. And um, yeah, be wonderful. Sleep well. Dream of beautiful things. I gotta go have dinner. I love you. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.